ESPN Radio. You're listening to Shea Cornette and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Tap in on the Candy Call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Shea, right now we got to visit the Candy Call in line. Because we got Aaron Dolan, our ESPN sports betting analyst. And Aaron, we're now on the other side of the All-Star break. And so we got to ask you about two of the hottest teams that were going into the All-Star break. The Boston Celtics, who have won 9 of 10. And then the Memphis Grizzlies, who had won 9 of 11 going into the break. What are the betting prospects for them? What are betters saying about them at the end of the regular season? What they're going to look like and what, what the value is in the marketplace for them? Yes. Well, thank you for having me back on. Happy Thursday to you guys. Um, in terms of these two teams, yes, they went into all-star break absolutely hot. I mean, the Celtics, like you had mentioned, were on that nine-game win streak. They also won 11 of the last 13 games. And in the past 15 games, they've been ranked number one in defensive ratings. So they really picked things up, and they've been great. But I will say that one game before the all-star break, they did lose to the Detroit Pistons. They didn't have Robert Williams or Marcus Smart in that game. So they are expected to be playing tonight and kind of getting their defensive players back. But just goes to show how important those guys are on the court for them. But, yeah, the Celtics are dropping like crazy in terms of all the odds. They were 50-1 to coming into the season to win it all. Got as high as 75-1 to in January and then moved down to currently 25-1, to 11-1 to to win the East and plus 330 to win the Atlantic Division two games back from the Philadelphia 76ers. But, yes, the Celtics have been on fire, and we'll see if they can continue that after the All-Star break. And as for the Memphis Grizzlies, they are a covering machine. If I could bet on any team, every single game it would be the Memphis Grizzlies, and you'd be up a lot of money because they're the best against the spread team on the season, 40-20. and 20. They're also 14-3 and 3 ATS in their last 17 games to favor, so keep that in mind for tonight. But the Grizzlies are also the best team right now in the league in terms of covering that first-half spread and first-half money line. So two teams to definitely keep an eye on. Okay, Aaron, let's stay out west, though, and now let's talk about the impact of Chris Paul's injury and how that affected the market in terms of the Suns looking up. So interestingly enough, it didn't impact the market at really at all. I think people know that the Phoenix Suns, they had that six-and-a-half game cushion over the Warriors, which is honestly very impressive. The one thing that is in- interesting in this uh, case is none of the current MVP favorites are playing right now for the number one seed. So since 1984, when the playoff expansion happened, 29 of the last 38 MVPs have played for that number one seed. So you're looking at Devin Booker in this market, and he has moved down slightly from 30 to 1 to 25 to 1 in the last couple of days. But I do not think that just because CP3 is not playing, that Devin Booker will suddenly be flying down the odds boards to win MVP. I mean, this team has been winning, and he wasn't really moving up in the boards. I think CP3 maybe needs some rest, and this could actually potentially help them as they are approaching the postseason, and it will actually give them a way to try to figure out how to keep creating and generating these wins. And on top of that, I mean, the Golden State Warriors are the second toughest strength of schedule out of the break. So I think that six-and-a-half game cushion will be fine for the Warriors to hold on to that number one seed. Aaron, as we gear up for the stretch run of the regular season, one of the things that people will be looking at is who's going to win the NBA scoring title. Right now, Joel Embiid is the leading scorer in the NBA, but Giannis Antetokounmpo has the best odds to lead the league in scoring. And then LeBron James rounds out the top three at plus 240. What's the value on either one of those three guys? Where do you see the most value when it comes to those three players and winning the scoring title? 
Yes. So I think the value right now would be on Giannis in this market with Embiid. Yes, his points per game are great and whatnot. And they've really bumped up over the last two months as his MVP odds have really dropped with those great stretches of just insane points per game. But with James Harden coming into the mix, I do think his production in terms of points will lessen, which is just natural. It's not taking anything away from Embiid as a player. We Philadelphia needed I'm talking, I'm saying like we as if I'm part of this, which I am. I'm a Philly fan, but I should be more <laughs> unbiased than that. Um, so sorry for that. I'm like grouping myself in with Joel indeed. Um, but yes, I think his production will be a little bit lessened there. And then as for LeBron, I mean, I could see him, you know, starting to pack it in. His season's a mess. Why would he go out there and put his health on the line every single night when he knows that the ceiling, I mean, I think Stephen Amon said this today, is the playoffs, let alone even, you know, so, or excuse me, the play-in uh, round, and then let alone even making it to the playoffs. So I am out on LeBron in terms of that. I think Giannis will definitely take this one. All right, Aaron, let's look ahead to the night uh, because the NBA returns to action. We've got college basketball in full force since we're like two and a half weeks out from Selection Sunday. Is there something that you're looking at and you like? And I don't want to sway you, but I am got a close eye on my Hoosiers considering they're on the bubble. But go on. What are you keeping an eye on? <laughs> I'm, I have two plays for you in the NBA for tonight because I had to take a break from college hoops because I haven't been on a great streak in terms of that. So I was excited for Fair tonight and looking forward to it. All week. Um, but I do like the Memphis Grizzlies minus one and a half. They actually opened as a dog in this spot. And as I talked about, they're just a covering machine. I'm excited to watch them tonight. In terms of that total there, um, I kind of lean under despite both of these teams. The two highest scoring teams over the past 10 games are averaging a combined 244 points per game. And Minnesota is the league's fastest paced team. Meanwhile, Memphis clocks in at that fifth spot there. But I do think that, you know, it is the first game back from All-Star break, and maybe we don't see as quick of a game as we are used to seeing just before the break, just given that they did have a week off. And we all know what it's like coming back from vacation. Come on. Everybody's going to be, you know, trying to get back into the groove of things. Also, like the Bulls minus three. This line hasn't really been moving at all today. The Bulls won 131 to 117 back on December 29th. And the reason I like this is because John Collins didn't play in that game, and right now he's questionable for tonight's game. So, Keeping an eye on that, but I do like those two teams to cover. And then another thing quickly um, that just came to mind, I've been doing 60 minutes betting in the NHL. It's a market on Caesar Sportsbook. It's under goals. I've been hitting these left and right. So I had Canucks money line and over three and a half goals cash, Blues money line and over four and a half goals. That was able to cash. And then Tampa Bay Lightning money line and over four and a half goals last night. So I've been getting very lucky on these. So we're going to ride this one until we lose. So tonight I'm going wild and over three and a half goals. I mean, this has to be done in 60 minutes betting. So just another one to keep in mind. I'm not a huge better in the NHL, but we're going to ride it till uh, the wheels fall off here. It sounds like a winner to me, Aaron. But before we let you go, I'm the resident Lakers fan on this show, and I got to ask you this question because right now the Lakers at plus 400 would have the shortest preseason NBA title odds among teams to miss the playoffs in the last 30 seasons. How could Vegas get it so wrong when it comes to this version of the L.A. Lakers? Yeah, I mean, obviously, with all the metrics that they use going into the season, it, you know, they were suspecting they were going to have a great season. I think the biggest takeaway for the Lakers is just when you do build a roster of these, you know, super teams, you can't put all veterans together. And, I, you know, I do think it's interesting, the comments that LeBron made about potentially, you know, the door is open to go back to Cleveland. I don't really know what's going on with this team. They seem like a hot mess. I'm sorry that it's your team very unfortunate this season. But I, I just, you know, they just don't have it. You know, I don't – AD's injured – Russell Westbrook, I mean, what a bust. I mean, that has been terrible. I feel bad. It's, like, hard to watch him sometimes. So, I don't think it's that they got it wrong. I mean, they also had the Nets up there, and, you know, as we've seen, they're 
burden with injury. It feels like the Lakers haven't been as injured as the Nets and whatnot, but I mean, their players just can't stay healthy. And you can't put it all on LeBron at his age. This was like 10 years ago, maybe, but it just, I don't know if it, yeah, again, I don't know if it's the odds makers got it wrong or if just they really were another season of a bust. Yeah, I'm putting it on LeBron, the general manager, not the player. But that's just me, Aaron. We appreciate a few minutes of your time. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Talk to you next week, guys. All right, that's ESPN sports betting analyst Aaron Dolan. And Shay, Aaron's got them gems for you. Listen, if you're not paying attention to her, you need to because she's trying to get your pockets right, get your coins up. She had some great information just now. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up next, is it in Lamar Jackson's best interest to get a long-term deal done before next season? We'll have the answer for you. Shea Cornette, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. It's Shea Cornette and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune in Saturday for college basketball action as Kansas hosts Texas. Coverage begins at 3.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And Shay, turning our attention back to the NFL, of course, everybody's thinking about the quarterbacks and the potential quarterback carousel that we're going to see in 2022. But we've also got to consider the quarterbacks that are in line to get new contracts, one of which would be Lamar Jackson, MVP quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. And... He's in a lot different position than Baker Mayfield for the Cleveland Browns, and both of them are always going to be linked because that's the same draft class, that 2018 class. But Lamar Jackson is in a situation now where he's in the driver's seat when it comes to a long-term contract. It really is at his leisure when he wants to get this thing worked out. Yeah, and, you know, there's arguments to two sides of this thing because Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent, right? And first of all, Lamar Jackson was taken as the last pick in the draft. To me, he's one of the most undervalued players, quarterbacks, I don't care which direction you go with it, in the entire National Football League. Maybe that's because he hasn't performed at the highest of levels in the postseason, but the Ravens, similar to what the Bills do with Josh Allen, in my opinion, where their entire offense goes through that quarterback, obviously that's the same with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, obviously this year was a little bit of an anomaly because the entire roster felt like it was banged up and hurt. But anyways, Mm -hmm. point being, it feels like a deal should get done with Lamar Jackson sooner rather than later. And I feel like there's two sides to this argument, Canty, right? Like there's this side that's like, well, you know, he runs so much and the way he plays quarterback, you don't want to pay him all this money because he's kind of utilized more as a runner and design runs and a running back and whatever. Well, sure, then that would be a reason not to pay him a ton of money because he's more val- or more susceptible to getting hurt. But on the other side of that, wouldn't you want to get a deal done faster and pay him more money so that he doesn't get hurt sooner and you lock him up for the long term there so that when he does come back, he can still be that big part of your offense, to me there should be a sense of urgency to get this done so that he doesn't get hurt and so you don't have him going somewhere else, in my opinion. I just feel like this guy has been undervalued, and I'm not saying you have to have an agent to pump you out there, but given where he was drafted and where he is now, to me, he's been wildly underpaid, and now it's time to have a little bit of sense of urgency to keep him there in Baltimore. And look, I think the Baltimore Ravens, and you know better than I, but I think they're one of the best-run organizations in the National Football League. No doubt. And so they'll find a way to make this right but it should happen sooner rather than later yeah and Shay I played for that organization and I know Baltimore Ravens DNA I know how they like to do business and you got to keep in mind Lamar Jackson is a legacy pick it was the last draft last first round draft pick that was made by Ozzie Newsom so it's a situation where the organization feels those ties 
and this organization has actually built out this offense around what Lamar Jackson does best. So I, I look at this as a situation where it's not a matter of whether or not he's going to leave, but it's just a matter of when they can actually make a deal make sense based on the rest of the moving pieces, the other contracts that they're going to have to work around. Now, I will say this. Usually the closer a player gets to free agency, the closer that player will get to being able to realize their full market value. And so for Lamar Jackson, I can understand why, even though he's a player that plays – you know, a a, 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 game, a style of football a that puts him style. more at risk. Yeah, it's yeah. a unique style, but yeah. it puts him more at risk because he runs more. I can understand why he would want to take the risks just because the closer the free agency he gets, the closer to the top of the market that contract extension is going to be. But here's Ravens general manager Eric DaCosta on whether or not they're going to operate with urgency in getting a deal done for Lamar. I would say that we're working at Lamar's pace. He's comfortable where we are right now. Uh, I think he feels that uh, we have a lot of unfinished business. He has a lot of unfinished business. We will operate based on his urgency. And, Shay, that was that was from a couple of weeks ago when the Ravens did their end-of-the-season press conference, okay, state, of, state, of, state of the club, that kind of thing. Go ahead. Can, can the Green Bay Packers just, like, hear that? and regurgitate it one more time maybe in their upcoming <laughs> press conference. Great. That's We don't have to ask more questions, in my opinion now. They're moving at Lamar's pace. When M- Lamar's ready to have a discussion and he feels there needs to be a sense of urgency, we'll have it, and we'll go from there. That's great news. That's keeping your quarterback happy. That's having all parties involved, in my opinion, and there's not this push and pull. What does it mean? Can he be traded? Can he not? How much? Like, it's, just, it's calm, and it's easy, and it's drama-free, in my opinion. It's calm, it's easy, it's drama-free until you see more quarterbacks get paid that Pat Mahomes money. And that's the question <laughs> that I have, Shay, if you're you know looking at this Lamar Jackson contract situation. Of course, the Ravens are moving at Lamar's pace, and that's the level of urgency that they're going to approach this thing with. My question is, should they have more urgency in terms of trying to get pen to paper for their star quarterback? Because you know, with every passing day, the going rate for Lamar Jackson is only going to be going up. It doesn't make sense to continue to play this thing out. If I'm Eric DaCosta, I'm trying to figure out how I can get Lamar Jackson wrapped up with that Josh Allen contract, paying him $43 million a year with the similar guarantee structure. That's what I'm looking at because that's what he's going to be compared to. Lamar Jackson has an MVP in his trophy case. Josh Allen does it. Now, I think Josh Allen is the better quarterback overall, but Lamar Jackson has shown himself to be a force multiplier. He makes everybody else around him better. Not to mention Lamar Jackson also has a playoff win under his belt. So it's not a matter of whether or not you believe this guy can do high-level winning. So what else do you need to see in order to give him a contract extension? That's the part of it that I don't understand. Now, I know the Ravens have the fifth-year option. They also have the luxury of the franchise tag after that if they so choose. But you don't want to be in a situation like the Dallas Cowboys found themselves with with Dak Prescott last offseason where they, they basically had had a hole, had a stick up from their quarterback and had to give him exactly what he wanted. I don't think the Ravens want to find themselves in that situation because the going rate for quarterbacks is only going to continue to skyrocket. Yeah, but who are you following? Like, like Josh Allen already got paid, and to me that was the biggest competition in terms of the bar set for a salary. Like Baker Mayfield, he's not going to get paid that kind of money, at least in my opinion. There's a the guy in Green Bay. There, there's a guy in Green Bay named Aaron Rodgers. Oh, come he, he's on. About, he's about to get a bag. Yeah, he, yeah he's but about, you He's about to get a bag. He's going to be the high. Shay, 
He's going to be, whether we like it or not, Aaron no, Rodgers is going to be the highest paid quarterback in Correct. the National Don't Football League. Don't you think Lamar period. Jackson knows that? He's not going to get more money no, than but Aaron that, but Rodgers? That, but, that, but, 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 Shay, that's not the point. The point is, if Lamar Jackson is closer to free agency than Aaron Rodgers would be, if Lamar Jackson is a decade younger than Aaron Rodgers would be, then he's going to get more money. It's not just about what you've done. It's about projecting what you will do. So I think that's the consideration that you also have to have. So we'll have more on this conversation coming up. It's not going anywhere because the Ravens have to get this business taken care of. And for my money, it would be sooner rather than later. But it's not my money. <laughs> not your money. It's, 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 Steve, it's Steve Bashotti's money. So, <laughs> yeah. we'll, uh, <laughs> so coming up next, the best landing spot for Aaron Rodgers if he returns next season is question mark we'll have the answer for you espn radio weekend's eve here on espn radio the espn app sirius xm channel 80 and e plus shea Cornette, chris canty we're presented by progressive insurance hit us up on twitter at chris canty 99 and at shea pepler and shea right now we got to go to the candy call in line to bring on Heisman Trophy winner and ESPN NFL analyst Robert Griffin III and RG3. It's good to talk to you. Great to have you on our show. And wanted to ask you first about Lamar Jackson. We heard from GM Eric DaCosta early this month about how they're going to move at Lamar's pace when it comes to the urgency of getting a contract extension done. I know you spent time down in that organization. You know Lamar Jackson well. If you were in his shoes, how would you handle this situation with getting a contract done? Hey, Chris, first of all, I want to say I appreciate you having me on, man. Enjoyed doing the shows with you yesterday. You're a class act. But when it comes to Lamar Jackson uh, and his contract, people need to realize that he's really not focused on the money right now. He's focused on winning. He knows that the business of football is something that he's going to have to dive deeply into. But right now, he's actually more focused on revenge. He understands that people aren't talking about him as a top 10 quarterback anymore, even though he's a unanimous MVP just a few seasons ago. He understands that people are ignoring the fact that he's the most dynamic offensive weapon in the entire league, right? But at the same time, he deserves to get paid. So for him, I just think he's betting on himself. He's not worried about injury. He's not worried about the $23 million that he's going to make this year. He's trying to let that quarterback market climb up to the $50 million plus range, mm. and he believes he should be the highest-paid quarterback in the league at that point. So I think for him, he's more focused on getting it done on the field instead of worrying about the contract. Well, someone who might have something to say about being the highest paid quarterback in the league might be Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to throw the retirement situation out the window here, Robert, and assume that he either stays with the Packers or goes elsewhere. In terms of what you think the best decision is for Aaron Rodgers, it's what? Oh, The best decision, uh, Shay, for Aaron Rodgers is to stay. Right, It's about legacy for him and the Packers. There's this one thing that would separate him from Brett Favre. It's if he wins another Super Bowl in Green Bay and how he handles the quote-unquote breakup. So I feel like he's been really conscientious of that, trying to make sure he positions himself in the right place no matter what decision he makes. Right, He had the Monday night gratitude drop after the 12-day cleanse that he put out there. I think that was strategic. I think it, he was genuine, but it was strategic so that people – and the organization and his fans and the teammates would understand how much he loves them no matter what he does. But the best place for him is in Green Bay with Devontae Adams. Those two guys 
They're force multipliers. That means together they can do a lot more than they can do apart. It doesn't mean that they're not great players individually, but the way they raised each other's level and the level of the team is like something I've never seen before. Even though we had Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup go put up incredible numbers and win the Super Bowl, these two guys can do the exact same thing and have been doing it longer. Chris Canny and Shea Cornette talking with ESPN NFL analyst Robert Griffin III on ESPN Radio. And RG3, we had Adam Schefter on a podcast suggest the possibility that the San Francisco 49ers would not trade Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason and that they would keep him as a part of their quarterback room in 2022. Now, we know that they mortgaged their future, traded three first-round draft picks to move up to take Trey Lance in the 2021 draft. From your perspective, is that a realistic possibility for the 49ers to hang on to Jimmy G this season? Yeah, I think it's a realistic uh, possibility. I don't think the fans would love it, right? Mm. Exactly what you just mentioned about Trey Lance and mortgaging the future for him. They're ready to see this guy go, right? We've heard about his athleticism. We've heard about the strong arm. And I wouldn't put too much on the one performance he had uh, as a starter during this year. The only way for him to go out and develop is to play the game. And it will be a different offense with him at the helm than it was with Jimmy Garoppolo. But if you're asking me, is there a problem with him keep with them keeping Jimmy? No, not at all. They just went to the NFC Championship game. He outplayed Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. And all he's done is win there. Even if you don't want him with the ball in his hands at the end of the day, he is a winner. So if he gives them the best chance to win, I don't see why they wouldn't keep him. But it'll make the fans upset. And like you guys know, the fans do drive a lot of this. So they might not have any other choice but to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo so that Trey Lance can blossom into full bloom. And, Robert, that's what I wanted to ask you. If Trey Lance is the week one starter, is it fair to him to keep Jimmy Garoppolo in that quarterback room or would you be forced to move on so, so Trey is not looking over his shoulder? I don't think Trey would look over his shoulder if Jimmy was to stay, just based off the way that, that like the the fans and and everybody is 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 clamoring about those two guys. Um, but what you the question I would say is it unfair to Jimmy to keep him as the backup after everything that he's done for the 49ers? Because when Trey comes in and he's a starter, if it's next year, it's Super Bowl or failure. Because Jimmy's taking him to the NFC Championship game, he's taking him to the Super Bowl. He just hasn't won it. So for Trey Lance, I don't look at it the same as Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith when Kansas City made the switch. They lost in the wild card uh, round and were able to give Patrick Mahomes the the helm with not that much pressure on him. When Trey Lance takes over, if it is this next season, it's a ton of pressure on him. And I don't know if that's fair to him, but at the end of the day, he's a big boy. He puts his his big boy pants on. He's got to go play football. Yeah, that's true. Let's stay in the NFC West here now, um, Robert, and let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks because drama because Russell Wilson went on his social media, pulled a Kyler Murray, ditched all the association that has to do with the Seahawks. There's no picture. There's no go Hawks in the bio. There's nothing. What do you make about this and in terms of Russell Wilson's future? Yeah, I mean, with him doing that, I'm kind of shocked that uh, the Seahawks haven't come out and tried to tear down his character like the Cardinals did to Kyler Murray. My God. But listen, Russell Wilson doesn't need to be in Seattle, in Seattle anymore. He's For the past two off-seasons, he said, I don't uh, – I would love it here, but I would also love it here and here and here. And I don't think that that flies, right? It's like in, in, when Twilight was coming out, you can't be Team Edward and Team Jacob. you got to pick one and be all in. <laughs> so I feel like for Russell, he's got to be all in some way, somehow, in some shape or fashion, and he's not. 
he's looking to see if the grass is greener. Well, I can tell you where the grass might be greener for him, so the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's where I think he should go. They need to fix their offensive line, but if they get some people in front of him to block, he's got Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson. Outside, he's got Chase Claypool, Pat Fryermuth, the tight end. They have pieces to be dangerous, and we saw what Russell Wilson just did or what he did early in his career when he had beast mode Marshawn Lynch behind him. So I think that's a great spot for him. But Russell needs to go because he doesn't want to be there anymore, and uh, I don't know if Sierra wants to be there either. Robert, well played. I'm not sure if the pun of being dangerous was intended, but well played, my friend. Thanks we for, appreciate it. Thanks for, com- thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for a few minutes. I'll talk to you again soon. No, I appreciate you guys. God bless. All right, that's ESPN NFL analyst Robert Griffin III. And, Shay, again, yes. Pittsburgh keeps coming up as one of those landing spots for those Man. premium quarterbacks that could potentially be available for trade. It seems like it makes a whole lot of sense, though, right? A quarterback that only had one losing season in a decade in the NFL teaming up with a head coach that's never had a losing season yeah. in 15 years as right. the head Model man. of consistency. does I'm make just saying. Sense. Just makes sense. Just seems like it fits. We'll tell you also about an assistant coach that's returning to his current team that seems like it fits in 2022 in the NFL. We'll have that coach for you on the other side of the break. Shea Cornette, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Shea Cornette and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And Shea, staying with the NFL, we got some news and an assistant coach is going to be returning to a Super Bowl contender. Matter of fact, the Super Bowl favorite going into the 2022 season, that would be the Kansas City Chiefs. And the coach we're referring to would be offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Now, I know that there have been some reports that there were some players that were unhappy with some of the play calling from Bieniemy towards the end of the season and in that playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals. But the two sides were able to come to terms, and Eric Bieniemy is going to be returning as the offensive coordinator for, I believe, his fourth year in that role. No, his fifth year in that role with the Kansas City Chiefs. So your initial thoughts when you heard the news that Bieniemy was going to be coming back? Uh, here we go again. Uh, at this point, Bieniemy has interviewed for over half the league and unfortunately has remained in the same role as OC. Not to say that maybe he's not happy in that role, but I think it's unfortunate that this is a man that has to be interviewed constantly and yet still remains in the top five offensively of the National Football League year after year as the OC of the Kansas City Chiefs. And by the way, he does call the plays, not Andy Reid. But nonetheless, happy for him if this is where he wants to be. Look, if I'm Andy Reid, I'm like, hey, I'll have you as long as you will stay. As long as you're here and you want to be here, I will keep you. I will pay you. I will do whatever you want because my offense works well with you as the offensive coordinator. But I know as you and I talked in the break, Kenny, he interviewed for the Saints. Obviously, he didn't get that job. And so more of the same for me. It's like rinse and repeat with Eric Bieniemy. But they've got all systems go, all systems working, everyone clicking on all cylinders there in Kansas City. And so we're going to have more of the same from Patrick Mahomes, Eric Bieniemy, and Andy Reid this upcoming season. Look out world it's just more of the same from that AFC team yeah Shay, and you know I'm all about continuity leading to the best results and being able to hold on to all your coordinators and your head coach I think that that bodes well for a team that fell short of the expectations now they got to the title round even though mm-hmm. the first half of the season didn't look like they wanted it to look Correct. they got to the AFC championship game and they were hosting that game so from that perspective it's hard to call a season a failure but we understand that they're after championships with having the best quarterback in the NFL. And now you have a play caller that he's familiar with and that right. Andy Reid is comfortable with locked up uh, for the foreseeable future. If I'm Eric Bieniemy, 
the question that I'm asking myself right now is, looking at Andy Reid's age, knowing that he's going to be 64 years old when the season kicks off, do I just ride this thing out with the Kansas City Chiefs and wait until Reid retires and accept the coaching waiting title? To me, that wouldn't necessarily be a bad option for Eric Bieniemy, even though we both agree that he's earned the right to be a head coach now in the NFL. Yeah, but when do you? You don't know when that's going to come. Like you don't know when Andy Reid's going to feel like he, he he could coach theoretically for another eight, ten years. How old is Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll's seventy years old, but that that that, that Pete Carroll looks a lot different than Andy Reid. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I'm sure, true. I'm but sure still, Pete I mean, Carroll doesn't no celebrate idea. all his wins by eating cheeseburgers either. <laughs> uh, that's true, but you don't know. I mean, like I said, this could be another five, six years. You think Biennemi wants to stick around as an OC for five or six years after he's interviewed for half the league? I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm with you but on I that one. It. I don't think he should have to, but that's the state of affairs right yeah, now. And right. we've gone on and on about the, the unfair and inequitable Correct. hiring practices of NFL teams. But speaking of other NFL teams, we got to talk about Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he said something the other day, Shay. That sounded a little bit ridiculous, and it was talking about a guy right now that they have penciled in as QB1 down in Tampa, and that would be one Blaine Gabbert. Bruce Arian said, and I quote, people may not like the overall record, but Blaine had eight head coaches and eight coordinators his first eight years. He he beat Jacksonville their best year, and he beat Tennessee their big year for us in Arizona. And he's been in the system now. I don't have a problem there letting – let Kyle continue to grow. Either one, Gabbert or Kyle Trask, has never played with this good of a team. He's got all the respect in the locker room that he can have. Now, I'll say this, and I'll leave you with the last word, Shay. Blaine Gabbert's been in the NFL for 11 years, okay? He's 2011 draft class. He was a top 10 pick, all his promise. He's played on five different NFL teams. My former head coach, Bill Parcells, used to always say, I give a player three years to show me what he's got, then I make a determination. In the case of Blaine Gabbert, we've given him five teams in 11 years to show us what he's got. And you know what he told us? He's a backup quarterback. He's a guy that's good in small doses. Two games, four games. I'm cool with Blaine Gabbert. If I got to see him for 17 regular season games, that guy ain't what you're looking for. That's just my take on it. I, I don't know what B.A. is thinking right here. I get it. He's one of his guys. But Blaine Gabbert ain't his guy when it comes to who needs to be QB1 for this Buccaneers team. Yeah, he can have the respect in the locker room. That doesn't make him the starting quarterback of the Bucks. It's not like having the respect <laughs> of the locker room has earned you wins in any way, shape, or form. Here's what I'll say about this Blaine Gabbert situation. He is a guy, yes, as you said, Canty, could step in for a few games here or there. So maybe this is a situation with Tampa Bay where they want to go get a guy, let's say like Jimmy Garoppolo, or maybe even Deshaun Watson, who inevitably is probably going to have to miss some games if that means via injury. I don't mean to like wish that upon someone, but these are just the reality of the fact and what history has told us, or suspensions. Maybe this is someone in Blaine Gabbard who can kind of fill in the gaps in that situation. And then this quote would make sense. He can hold it down. He can hold down this QB room. He's got the respect of the locker room. He can figure it out if we have to bring in a veteran guy that might need to step back for a little bit. And then I would understand these thoughts from B.A. Outside of that, 
this is crazy to me. You know, it's funny. I think back to uh, B.A.'s press conferences when he was, like, kind of dogging Tom Brady. We remember we made so much of those comments when he was yeah. calling out Tom Brady. And I was so annoyed by them time and time again. And I literally remember coming on multiple radio shows and saying, that's fine. If Bruce Arians wants to dog Tom Brady, have him start playing Gabbard. I dare him. <laughs> I dare him to start playing Gabbard over Tom Brady because TB12's throwing interceptions and taking the reins under center and doing things he wasn't expecting. Go start playing Gabbard. Well, he didn't. He just kept calling Tom Brady out and it resulted in a Super Bowl championship. So I think that probably told me everything I need to know. But Blaine Gabbert, to me, is a good guy to hold down the fort if you have to bring in a QB that might need some time off for other reasons. I don't love talking about the Deshaun Watson situation, not yet, until we have all the facts straight. But the reality is, if he does find himself on another team, there's likely, I don't know for certain, because there's probably going to be some time away, and maybe you need a veteran presence like Blaine Gabbert to fill in those gaps. Shay, let me ask you a question, because the Indianapolis Colts seem like they're done with Carson Wentz. Would that be somebody that you think Tampa Bay would take a look at? Is he a clear upgrade over what Blaine Gabbard is bringing to the table? Yeah, because he's been a starter. And I, look, I think there's good from Carson Wentz. Like, he has these moments. But when okay. he – when he and again, Canty, you know better than me. But when – when Carson Wentz has these moments of panic, it's like a, it's oh. like he's never been a starter in the National Football League his entire life. So to me, the good outweighs the bad sometimes with Carson Wentz if you have a strong enough roster around him. But he is not a guy that can step in and just throw. You have to have a strong O-line, a solid run game, and a good defense in order for him to step in and be successful, in my opinion. Well, let me ask you a question because we just saw Jimmy Garoppolo take a team to the – well be the quarterback of a team that went to the NFC Championship game, is he somebody that would be a fit for what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are right now? I think so, if they decide to bring back a guy like Leonard Fournette and they have a strong run game, yes, because then he is a guy that can kind of be a game manager in that situation. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is far and away a, a, a better quarterback than Carson Wentz, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think Jimmy G would be a realistic option, even though that's still an NFC team. I don't know that the 49ers will have the opportunity to, or have the luxury of being able to ship him to the AFC. But coming up next, as the second half of the NBA season tips off, we'll tell you who's under the most pressure to deliver. Shea Cornette, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio.